You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just a reminder to listeners that we're still trying to raise funds to continue Cannabis Health Radio. Our purpose in doing this is to make a difference in the lives of others by inspiring and empowering them to improve their health, primarily through the use of medical cannabis. If you'd like to help us out and if you'd like to see us continue with Cannabis Health Radio, go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and go to the donate page and make a contribution, either a one-time contribution or be a monthly donor. And you can do that, and you can help us continue bringing these inspiring stories and empowering stories of people who have had very debilitating diseases and have recovered through the use of cannabis. And for those who have contributed thus far, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. Our guest today was diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Now, endometrial cancer starts when cells in the inner lining of the uterus, the endometrium, begin to grow out of control. And joining us to talk about how she conquered her cancer is Mary Craig of Tucson, Arizona. Mary, very good of you to do this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Mary, take us back to April of 2015 when you were first diagnosed. What were some of the problems you were experiencing that led you to see a doctor? Um, started menopause in, in 2012 and then I'd had like a week of light spotting and then some odor to the urine that was really bad. And that was about it that, that led me to the doctor. And you went to the doctor and what did the doctor tell you? Uh, well, they did an uh, ultrasound and a vaginal ultrasound and and saw that my endometrium was thicker than what it should be. Okay. And then then a biopsy was ordered. And did the doctor offer any treatment at all? Um, at that time, no. Nothing at all. No. And what did the biopsy show? It showed. um, At that time, they had said it was stage two cancer endometrial cancer yep endometrial Mm -hmm. and so did he suggest anything to you did he say we're just going to watch this did he say we need to do chemotherapy oh no yeah they wanted me to schedule a hysterectomy directly and and that is that's what i did do so you had a hysterectomy yeah the beginning of may so um, I was diagnosed April 29th, my dad's birthday, <laughs> with the cancer, and then had the hysterectomy on the 12th of May. So it moved really quickly. You know how they push you right along. Right. Yeah. And that, and then I was agreeable to that. I, I thought that was in my best interest just to remove as much of it as I could at that moment. Now, upon learning more, it's not always necessary, but I, I don't regret doing it. 
What did but they, then? Sorry, what did they tell ahead. you after the uh, after the hysterectomy about your cancer? Um, that there had been one lymph node involved in. You know, they wanted me to start chemotherapy directly. What was your reaction to that? I wasn't going to do it. I had already found a naturopathic doctor that I had seen before I even had the surgery. Um, I'm an all-natural type person and have been for years already. Uh, you know, I watched my mom have chemotherapy and die of symptoms from that. <clears throat> that I already knew that there wasn't any way that I was going to... I was going to do everything else that I possibly could. So did you have a game plan in place already then? No, I was, it was a very large learning scale. I, the naturopathic doctor definitely pointed me in, in the, the right direction. And I, I started, you know, I, I was a vegetarian for 20 years and I became a vegan. I was a bad vegetarian. I, my daughter called me a breaditarian because I like bread and rice and potatoes and all those things that we're not supposed to eat. A breaditarian. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you were a vegetarian and you ate fish, they call you, uh, what do they call you, a vegetarian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was a bad vegetarian. I didn't really even like my veggies much, so I just didn't eat meat, you know, and how it was yeah. but no mary when you uh when they tried to get you on chemo did they pressure you at all yes there was some pressure and um i did end up switching oncologists because she the first one that actually did the surgery wasn't willing to work with my naturopath I, she did the surgery and she did a great job but then that was it i I cut all ties with her and found a different one. And he was of the same boat. He wanted me to to do the chemotherapy also, but he would work with my naturopaths. I think it's interesting that the uh, your your female oncologist wouldn't uh, wouldn't work with a naturopath. I wonder why. I mean, it's just uh, your your health, your good health, is uh, what's important. Yeah, they are. They're stuck in such a mindset that they're they're not even open to hearing about it, about you know what I do or how well it's worked. Or Mary, what was your state of mind when all this was going on? Ugh. <laughs> I was a mess. Oh my goodness, it has been um, it has been um, a very bad experience to start, but I've learned a lot and. You know, I've turned it into a, a positive, I hope, with sharing and telling and helping others. And Mary, yeah. I, when you started at the beginning here, did you say you were stage two or stage three? Um, at the biopsy, they said stage two, but then after the hysterectomy, it was it was stage grade three, stage three C rather. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm noticing here high grade, uh, <clears throat> high grade clear cell change and carcinoma of the endometrium. So you go to yeah, the- and that that clear cell. That's a more rare, aggressive form of carcinoma. Ah, okay, so. okay. So you go to the naturopath, and you were saying he put you in the right direction. So what kind of stuff did he suggest you do? Well, um, completely, you know, change the diet. No more milk, dairy, sugars, or wheat. Okay, and then. Um, 
And then exercise, getting out and exercising, and I started a, a supplement, mini supplements. But then the at, I went to his office for 12 straight weeks. It actually ended up to be 14, I believe, where I received uh, high IV vitamin C. Vitamin IVs C. Twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also, I was taking the Laetrile, the B17. Okay. And uh, mistletoe injections three times a week. What are mistletoe injections? I've never heard that. Iskador, Mali, mistletoe. It's it's a very well known in Germany and in other countries. I know a number of uh, my people have done mistletoe. Yeah, it's mm. a it's a five year commitment when you start. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. So when did you come across, so you're doing this, you've done the vitamin C and you're doing the mistletoe, etc. And you've changed your diet and you're doing supplements. So when did you come across cannabis oil and how did you find out about cannabis oil? I've, I've always been a cannabis user, to be honest with you. And so, you know, upon being diagnosed and, and research, that was kind of an, an easy path to take. And how much oil were you taking Oh gosh, at the very beginning for like the first six months, I worked up to over a, a gram a day and, and took it four times a day. The CBD oil, mine comes separated, CBD and, and THC in separate, um, syringes. And so I take the CBD three times a day and the THC once a day. So did you, and, do, sorry, go ahead. Yes. I was just going to say, do you do the THC at night? And the C- I do. Okay, and then the CBD in the daytime? Yes. Okay. And then I, I also, I did fasting. How Fasting is so good for the body when it's not having to process all the food. It actually has time to heal itself. And so I would fast every day before the sauna and then go, I mean, before the IVC. And then I would sit in an infrared sauna after the IVC. And then I would break the fast. Mm, so you weren't eating that much. Only it was only twice a week that I did the IVC. So I only oh. fasted just those two days. So in- intermittent fasting, I think, is what they call it today. Yes, yeah, and uh, I thought it, it worked great. And then I did coffee enemas and yoga and meditation and. Well, you did it all. What? Uh, how much? Vitamin C were you taking in the IV? Uh, 50 grams. 50 grams, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence now to show that uh, high dosages of vitamin C intravenously actually kill cancer cells. Yeah, and I I am continuing with it. I Every other month I, I receive IVs, eight a month, and one month on and one month off, so... I know uh, Dr. Bob Melamed um, is big on vitamin C infusions, particularly with um, cannabis oil-resistant cancers. And uh, what you do is you're on the oil for a few weeks, and then you begin the infusions. And apparently there's quite a bit of success with the two combined. Very good. I'd love to hear success stories for sure. When you were on the vitamin C IV and you were getting 50 milligrams twice a week. Did uh, How did you feel after you got the injections? Oh, it gives you a bit of energy. It, it makes you feel pretty, pretty nice and healthy. Uh, 
I, I was always a healthy person before, I thought. And so I, I never really had much for colds or that type of issue anyway, but I definitely haven't had any since being on the, the IVCs. I, I think they make you feel very well. So you were on uh, mistletoe injections. Do you still take the mistletoe inject, uh, injections? I do, yes. You have five years you have to take them, you said. Yes, and they're in the in your belly. Oh. In the stomach is where you give the injection. Now, you also did far infrared saunas, and I was looking that up today, and both the American and Canadian Cancer Society state that very high temperatures can kill cancer cells outright and shrink tumors. And it's a treatment that's used in Germany and Mexico, and it's called hyperthermia. And you did that twice a week as well? I did, yes. What other supplements yep. were you taking, Mary? Um, curcumin and um, melatonin. And one of the biggest ones is, it's called AHCC. It's actually um, derived from mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. AHCC. Yep, AHCC. What does that stand and, for? You know, I don't, I've, it's probably a very scientific thing is all it really is. Okay. Yeah, AHCC. CC is good enough for us. Yeah, we'll just we'll stick with that. Yeah. Oh, it's active hexocorrelated compound. <laughs> AHCC is better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> it is, but that's one of the top supplements that I feel that I take for the immune for the immune system. And you continue to take cannabis oil as well. I uh, I do. I still take it three times a day. I've just reduced it down to a. Uh, you know, a very small amount every day. So in April of 2015, you were diagnosed with cancer. And by the end of September, you went back and you were cancer-free. Is that correct? Yes, the the PET scan had showed that there wasn't anything. Were the doctors surprised? Um, I think the oncologist, the regular oncologist was surprised yes the female not who didn't, the naturopath so much yeah the female who didn't want to work with you or the male then the new male because she yeah the first oncologist didn't even know and what was it like for you emotionally to be told you were cancer free a very freeing and joyful and grateful was um it was really inspirational to you know to have done it my way the natural way and 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 it was gone and i know i was very lucky a lot of it had to do with you know that it was a the surgery that i did removed it and only one lymph node out of they only took seven um was involved so i maybe caught it in the nick of time i will always be worried because it was a uh, clear cell histology and and rare and aggressive that's why I want to continue my diligence always. How do you feel physically now compared to, uh, say, just before you were diagnosed with cancer? Uh, well, I think I aged greatly in my face. <laughs> I think the the stress of it, I mean, it, it, it put a lot of stress and a lot of burden on me and my teeny tiny little family that I have. 
When you were going through this and you're doing all these different modalities of treatment to try and get better, did you think you would get better? Did you think you'd conquer this? Did you have faith in what you were doing? Or how how were you feeling about that? Yep, I absolutely did have faith that it was was going to work. That's one of the, the things is, you know, that's why the yoga and the meditation is live in the moment and yeah, I think attitude but, plays quite a big part. It it's certainly I certainly agree that it does. You have to have a positive attitude. Whatever you project is what you're going to get in life a lot, not always, but yeah, absolutely. When you were meditating, did you uh, visualize a, uh, a a cancer-free body? I am not really very good at meditation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm a Gemini, so my mind never stops. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, I imagine the yoga was helpful to you. It is. I, I And I had a lot of weight loss, and so I lost a lot of muscle. I'm still very much working on trying to rebuild my weight and my muscle tone. How much weight did you lose, Mary? Probably about 25 pounds. But you feel better. You're cancer-free. I mean, that's great. Tell me about your family's predisposition to cancer. Uh, so my mother had, had bladder cancer, and then my oldest sister had endometrial, and then another one had breast. And so then when I got endometrial, um, it was actually that first doctor, surgeon that did the surgery, she didn't think that... I would have Lynch syndrome, but it does turn out that that we do have a predisposition to colon cancer and, and endometrial mostly, but there's lots and lots of other cancers that fit in under that also. What's the syndrome you referred to? Lynch. 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 L-Y-N-C-H. Yeah, what what exactly is that? It's mostly known for, for uh, colon cancer. There's a whole Lynch syndrome websites. There's big over in the UK and here. And actually, my first cousin, she also has Lynch syndrome and had colon cancer, um, but she has a different uh, variance than I do, a little bit. And so we don't think that because we are the same family. I think she got hers from her mom, and I got mine from my mom. But um, she's actually part of the Lynch Syndrome International. Uh, she volunteers for them. She's really big into it to mm. promote people becoming aware of having colonoscopies and preventative treatments and knowledge. Mary, how did your older sister make out with her endometrial cancer? Uh, very well. She had a hysterectomy, and, and that was that. Oh, she was cancer-free after that. Yeah. um, She goes to the Mayo Clinic, and I was really kind of disappointed that they do absolutely no follow-up whatsoever. I think she was grade one, so it wasn't as high a grade as me. And, Mm. you know, everybody does everything different, but they don't even check blood markers or anything. So they just feel that she's good, so she's good, and she don't really question what the doctors think or say. Well, you would think, you know, with her having Lynch syndrome that maybe they'd keep a closer eye on her. I'm just reading what Lynch syndrome is. It's often called hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancer. 
And it's yes, apparent- now she hasn't been tested yet to see if she is carrying the gene. Um, mm. We just joined okay. the study up in Washington, but nobody has gotten any results or anything yet from that. Uh, okay. What did she think when you told her, or did you tell her that you were on cannabis oil and you you changed your diet and you were doing more of an holistic approach? She's not supportive at all. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of, and she's an RN, a retired RN, and her husband has diabetes really bad, and I did share some cannabis products with him because it helped him out very much. And and then her daughter has a very bad autoimmune disease, and she asked me if I would give her an edible. She wanted to try cannabis edibles. Cannabis was just passed in Minnesota, so she has every intention of going and getting her, her medicinal card and, and doing that. But she wanted to try it, and so the mother was very unhappy with me that I shared <laughs> are, are you still speaking to your sister? Not so much. Well, it's a long story. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was up there helping my dad. It was hospice, so it was a whole big thing. I, it's funny, you know. I would have thought maybe once they saw the, uh, once your sister saw the results that you had, that maybe she'd come around to uh, a different way of thinking. Um, I have two RN sisters, and um, one of them was fairly vocal about not agreeing with my decision to do oil, but now she's one of my biggest supporters since she's seen what it can do. Wonderful. I have another sister that's an RN, and she is very supportive. In fact, when I was in Minnesota and didn't have any cannabis, she said, oh, I, she thought about we'd have to drive to Colorado to get me some. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's remarkable how some people are completely brainwashed about cannabis, while others are on the fence and they tend to lean toward it. Once once they know someone, or specifically a, a family member who's tried it, and has tried it with great success. I mean, even your sister's husband, who has terrible diabetes, I mean, he probably would like to take it, but maybe your sister is blocking it. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, it just barely passed up there just this last year now. So I'm hoping that she would change, you know, see, the, it has such wonderful, wonderful things. And I mean, not just for cancer. I have a friend who has a special needs daughter that has seizures and, and, you know, I've told her that it, it would so help your daughter so she could get off some of those terrible medicines that she is on that really aren't controlling her seizures anyway, yeah, hoping we, that that happens. We were talking to uh, a, a woman last week who had neck cancer, and she was on 14 different medications to the point where she and her partner were on so many medications. Her partner was on medications for uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Arthritis, I believe. They were on so many medications that it was impacting their health. It was making them worse. And uh, they just decided that they were going to try cannabis oil or use cannabis oil to wean themselves off these 14 medications, which they did over a one-year period. And they still use cannabis Tincture, I believe, Corey, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Yeah, they make it and uh, make it themselves. And they feel so much better being off those medications and on cannabis because cannabis is 
the cannabinoids are a natural chemical for your body, where the pharmaceutical drugs are not. Mary, do you talk to many people about your success using cannabis? Every chance I get. <laughs> I can be a little on the opinionated side. And, and I, I, I like people have got to know that they're, uh, they have other options. That's yeah. it. They, yeah. It's a very, very personal decision. And, and, and until you've been in your own shoes there, you can't say what you would do. And, you know, I support everybody and, and their personal choices, but they, they have to know that they need to know it's an option. Have. Yeah, mm-hmm. they need to know it's an option, which is really part of the reason or a big part of the reason that Ian and I are trying to keep this show going. You know, we need to get the word out there that you do have a choice. Absolutely. Yes, and, and, and cannabis oil is so great for so many different things. Just the variety is, is so many that how it can help the population and get off of all those other prescription medications. Are many people that you talk to, are they receptive to trying it, or are they skeptical, or do they push back like your sister? Um, I would have to say that the majority are very receptive and, and would like to try it. The only place where I see the most resistance is when you get past a certain age level. And that mindset that you're just not going to change it. And that age it's, level, it, would that be over 60? Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because, um, mind you, I'm, I'm in that age level. <laughs> I'm on that, I'm on the, I'm on the cusp of the age level. However, um. I'm always 39. <laughs> right. Well, I just had my 21st. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But I find that, there's an increasing number of that age level who are actually becoming open to doing this or exploring doing this. Yes, I have um, to agree because whenever I go to any dispensary, uh, that is, it's the age 50 plus that is the majority at those dispensaries. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the, well, the biggest issue uh, that I see in that age group is they're really afraid to get high. And I just tell them, you don't need to be high. There are ways around that. Don't make this the reason that you don't try and save your life. Yes, and, and suppositories that, um, using the back door, that's, that's the best way to avoid the high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly one way that you can do it, absolutely. There's also citicoline. Citicoline what helps is, helps a lot. I'm not familiar you haven't heard me talk about citicoline. If mm. I had a penny for every time I spelt that word, oh I would go on a trip around the world. Let me see if I can spell it because I saw it in the health food store the other day. C I T I C O L I N E. Yay, Ian. Yes, citicoline. Yeah. So, what that's for is mental clarity, but what it does is block the receptor that causes any anxiety or paranoia, and it works like a charm. Oh. Yeah, I am the queen of paranoia on cannabis. And um, it sure made the difference for me in being able to up my dose so that I was effective in killing the cancer. So what is that made out of then? 
Well, you'd need to talk to somebody who's a little bit more of a chemist than myself. Um, Janet Sweeney. Uh, I'll just Google it. Yeah, it's good to get to. I, and see, I take this. L-theanine for, for like anxiety and it's part of my cancer treatment too. Oh, interesting. But it definitely, I stopped taking it for a while. I got tired of buying it, but. After about three months, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start buying it again. Well, because it helps a lot. Yeah, so, sorry. If if you take the citicoline, a tablet, just bef- uh, an hour before you take your cannabis oil, it will prevent or diminish the high, Corey. Um, for me, it prevented it. Um, you can take up to twelve of those a day. That comes from Dr. Melmead. Okay. Um, I just started out by taking two of half hour before. And uh, then I got brave and went to one, and now I don't take any. But also what it's good for, Mary, is in the morning, if you're feeling kind of grogged out, if you've taken a bit too much oil and you're feeling kind of kind of hungover, if you take one of those, you'll, you'll snap to in about 10, 15 minutes. I don't really have so much of a problem. I, I kind of like the high. So, But I, my friend that uh, was recently diagnosed in the North Dakota... Definitely, I don't think he does. I've, he's never used, and so this is something that I will definitely pass on to yeah. to an, a friend who was just recently put in our shoes. Well, if he starts off slowly and takes a small dose and just gets used to it, he can increase the dose. And uh, you should tell him about the citicoline and to prevent the, the high, diminish the high, and uh, he should be fine. I heard that um, for lung cancer, it is the backdoor method is the uh, reaches the best um, results. I've probably, What's your opinion? Mary, I've probably helped, oh, I don't know, 200, 250 people with lung cancer, and I'm talking stage three and four, and uh, they do remarkably well on suppositories. Good. Yeah, he is stage four. So. Yeah, absolutely. He's got every hope in the world if he gets on this. Yes, yeah. that sounds good. Mary, well, it's great to have talked to you. You uh, had cancer in April of 2015. By the end of September of 2015, thanks to cannabis oil, a change in your diet, uh, vitamin C intravenously, and uh, mistletoe injections, far infrared sauna, you're cancer-free. I am. I am due for a new PET scan here now, the first in week in February, but... I'm very optimistic that it'll be have the same results as the last one last year was. Fantastic. Cancer-free. Mary, it was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mary, so much for coming, coming forward and sharing your story. You guys do great work. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.